welcome to Considering Truth, a podcast about religion, philosophy, and a little bit of science. We're a couple of friends trying to wrap our minds around this thing called truth. Episode 3, Presuppositions. On today's episode, we'll be discussing how we should handle our presuppositions. I'm Mike Went. I'm Josh Olson. And I'm Tim Zwicker. Welcome back, everyone, to the third episode of Considering Truth. So I was thinking this last week about presuppositions. We all have them, and I was also wondering, when is it appropriate to set them aside? Obviously, if we're talking uh, about miracles and discussing whether they happen we have to allow for the possibility that the supernatural exists. Otherwise, there would be no, uh, no debate. Uh, if you exclude uh, a priori, uh, the supernatural, you know, you've already assumed your, your argument. So when should we set aside our presuppositions? Or maybe we should back up a little bit here and define what we mean by presuppositions. Yeah, what, what are they? What? I thought you looked this up. <laughs> um, I, I did. I, I looked a little bit of it yeah. up. Um, but I think, I think without defining it first, I think Tim had a great example of a presupposition. And just to kind of use the word presupposition in a, in, a, in a sentence, or not presupposition, but presuppose. You had suggested that we might presuppose... Oh. Yes. Would you like me to say it? You yeah. seem to be looking at me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, you could presuppose that it's going to be a sunny day and approach a conversation with someone assuming that it will be sunny. Um, and you may have, you know, gleaned that from your weather app or from the previous week it's been sunny or, or whatever. Um, the weather app is never wrong. Well. Ever. Yeah. Um, That's not true, though. But, but That's a presupposition. But if, if someone is going to say, uh, you know, you ought to take your umbrella, it's it's going to be rainy today, you know, that then you, you might have to back off from that and say, or, I mean, you, you could just disregard it because, well, I, I, I know it's going to be sunny or I think it's going to be sunny. But, but if you trust this person, um, you might want to back off from that and say, well, wait, how do I know that it's going to be sunny? The weather app is never right. wrong. So the weather app said, you know, has it refreshed in the last three days? You know, hey, is what my internet old connection data, now. right? Um, so, so I think for me, uh, approaching a discussion, you have to determine which presuppositions um, are called for that you that you set aside, and and which ones you're willing to set aside. Mm. Um, because if if you don't decide to to open your mind and 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 be able to change your mind, then then you're not going to. So a presupposition then from your example to kind of generalize is any idea uh, we have about the world as we are engaging with other people or with the world around us. Right. And they're not bad. No, no, we we need them. But maybe assuming that it's going to be sunny today could, could really help us, you know, dress. At some point you have to decide. I mean, maybe you don't, but it would help. But I think in the context of a logical argument, you have, you know, conclusions that are drawn from original assumptions, you know, and if those original assumptions prove invalid, your logical 
argument falls apart. Your, your conclusion may still be true, but you, you have mm -hmm. to have uh, these things follow from, hey, it is raining outside, therefore the, the grass is wet. You know, it, the conclusion comes from those uh, original pre presuppositions. There's a different word for it. I'm givens. The, the givens. Um, so I think if you're making a, an, a logical argument or you're making a court case, you know, you can't start with the, well, he's guilty, so therefore he's guilty. Uh, you know, our system of justice says you have to assume that he's not guilty and, and prove it. You can't have a presupposition of guilt in order to prove guilt. You have to do it some other way. And I, I think when we are discussing any topic, we have to ask ourselves, are my presuppositions, you know, driving the conclusion without, you know, having justification for that presupposition? Well, and you have to kind of distinguish it, um, for example, as a juror, um, you know, you, you can't go in there with any assumptions. Um, you, you're right. You have to assume this person is innocent until I am shown um, that he's not or, or, or she's not or whatever. Um, but, but that but, works well in our justice system. Right. But you have, you have to take with, you can't just empty your mind of all knowledge, right? Um, so, some of the knowledge and some of the conclusions you draw about this person are going to be, are going to be valid. Um, you, you shouldn't, you know, say, well, oh man, he's black, so he must be, he must be guilty, or he was arrested, he must be guilty, right? Th those are notions you he ought to set guilty, aside. Right, he's guilty, right. therefore guilty. I would say if we were perfect human beings and perfect in, in every way, we wouldn't have to assume that somebody is guilty or, or innocent, but our justice system says or acknowledges our horrible tendency to add in those presuppositions based on things that aren't, uh, you know, you know, like if you're black, you know, that could really sway somebody's opinion. If you are, uh, you know, a cop right now, I think our culture, that could sway your opinion of, of how they are or aren't. And so our justice system goes to the extreme to try and force people to not have those presuppositions by saying, not only can you, do you have to be fair, you have to almost hold the, the opposite point of view to start with. And, I see. I don't think that. I think that even even if with with you know perfectly logical reasoned people, um, the, I guess a perfectly logical reasoned person would start out with the assumption of innocence in a trial. That you know I, that is that is the right way to assume when you're when 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 you're being at, when you're judging um, based on specific evidence that's presented whether this person is mm -hmm. guilty or innocent. Wouldn't the right the right way be to assume we don't know. Yeah, I was going to say you could just as easily start from this assumption of guilt and then have innocence proved. Our system, or the U.S. justice system, is, I'll say, designed or laid out in such a way as to give the benefit of the doubt to well, the in, to the even to the guilty. Well, hang on. The, the perfect will say, and I'm putting that in air quotes mm -hmm. here, the perfect system would yeah be to say, you don't know whether this person is truly innocent or guilty, and you will have to assess that based on the evidence. But by default, you would still assume I mean, right, if if say say the prosecution got up and rested, and then the defense got up and rested, what would you do? Would you say, Oh, I don't know, or would you say, well, by default, he's innocent? Hmm. 
I think that should ultimately re- result in a hung jury in that sy- sy- in that system. The, if the if the prosecution got up and rested, and the defense got up and rested, the jury would have to get up and rest essentially. Well, no, and, they, and they not would have to say no evidence has been presented of his guilt. Therefore, therefore we don't know. We, We're we a hung jury, well, and, but, the, and the justice system would need to either declare a mistrial and go again, or set. Then the, it's the justice system's responsibility, not the jurors, because they really don't know if they're if he's guilty or sure. innocent. The right. justice system at that point should be designed in such a way. Again, this is me, an engineer, talking about how the justice system <laughs> ought to be. But if that ever happened, the justice system should be designed in such a way that the judge would say, the jury cannot rule in this case, I declare mistrial, right. or I sure. declare this person innocent, or what have you. Yes, Mike? You say not guilty, but yeah. And I think that's why we get the term not guilty. It doesn't mean innocent. It's mm. not found not guilty. guilty. Mm. Yeah. Fair enough, yeah. Right. So, so my question... terms are built around it, go ahead kind of following on that our justice system tries extremely hard to counteract our human tendency to have presuppositions and to try to keep them from influencing, or if it does influence, it only brings us back to, you know, or if we are influenced by presuppositions, we're more likely to declare somebody innocent. Um, But are they always bad? Like are presuppositions always something we should be striving not to, to have, or are there? So, so, I mean, I, I, all of your knowledge is could, could be a pre presupposition depending on all of your knowledge is a, well, is right. Like one right, big presupposition. Right. And so you cannot set, set aside of them. the entirety of your, your knowledge, um, when approaching something that requires you to reference that knowledge. Um, I think, when, when having a discussion with someone where I, I want to seek, I, I, I want to persuade you or, or I want, you know, I, I want to really understand what you're saying and I want us to, to, to work together and to be able to communicate and work, you know, and, 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 and come eye to eye on something. Um, what I would, I would say what we need to do is identify where we differ in the relevant presuppositions and each of us, you know, we, we need, we need to, Peel back um, to a common or a common enough uh, base understanding that we can both agree on, right? Um, and we can say those are given, and then from there we can each we can build on those on those facts and introduce new facts that we can both see as true. Um, and and if it you know at the end of that either we'll we'll find something that that is incompatible, like I I, I can't see it that way. No, it must be this way. Even though you see it the other way, either you'll find an incompatibility in your understanding, or you'll find that you do both understand it the same way. And oh, look, the the conclusion you can agree on. I think Tim, you said something that I, I found interesting, and that was you, you brought up this idea of are the the presuppositions that are relevant to this discussion. And I think presuppositions are a way for us to summarize you know, lots of our, our prior knowledge, we distill it down to a, a presupposition, you know, not all dark alleys are dangerous, but we have a lot of information that says, you know, there's some dangerous alleys out there and most of them are dark. You know, my rule of thumb now is I'm not going to walk down a, you know, a dark alley without, you know, having a heightened sense of awareness of, Hey, this is a dangerous situation. So it's a way to, to sum up 
you know, a lifetime's input into to these thoughts. We can't rehash all of that in a short conversation. And the shorter the conversation, the more presuppositions have to be in place. But you said the relevant presuppositions. And I think when we have a discussion, identifying what presuppositions are actually relevant uh, that we may be uh, bringing to the table is a good thing. The ones that aren't relevant, let's Mm -hmm. leave them irrelevant because they're summing up a lot of irrelevant information. A lot of, you know, when I come to a You may have a disagreement about what's relevant and what's irrelevant. That's true. And that would be a good discussion. (laughs) Well, I I think a good place to start is is in defining terms, right? Um, Because we we mostly agree on the English language, and then there's these specialized words and terms that we'll bring into a discussion. Um, and, and, And by doing so, we might be importing something that the other person is interpreting in a different way. And I think we have a lot of presuppositions about what words mean, and that is a barrier to communication. Um, so as we as we are able to to sort of uh, unbind the words and and get down to okay no okay we agree that when we say this this is what it means. So um, we were trying and that's a good way to identify um, cultural presuppositions. Yeah. And, yeah. So in our discussion here of presuppositions, you know, we didn't want to presume to know what people thought the word presupposition meant, and so we were defining our term. <laughs> So that we were all on a common, you know, basis, basis for for discussing. Yeah. So let's look at some examples then, or uh, specifically uh, the example of of the, well, that you were interested in talking about. Where well, are we there? Yeah, I, I think there are good presuppositions, and I think those are presuppositions that are well founded. The chair I'm sitting on is likely to hold my weight. Right. It's or I'm a, about to sit on. Sit on. Yeah, and that seems to have been well-founded. It's a good rule of thumb. Right. Except for the rickety ones and those ones. Well, depends on the chair. So, but... (laughs) Most chairs I've sat in have held my weight. Yeah. And there's some disagreement now about (laughs) what kind of chairs are worthy of, you know, a good... of a presupposition. But I think, Tim, when you were just talking here a moment ago, you said, you know, there isn't always agreement about what presuppositions are valid. And at that point, we have to go and look at the grounding for those presuppositions because Mm. uh, we obviously have a disagreement. We can't both be right, or at least we can't both be right if we understand each other correctly. Or at least we can't further the discussion. And that's probably even more, you know, more useful is recognizing that if we don't start with the same presuppositions or a common basis, a common foundation, wherever we get to really may not be, you know, of any use to either side. Because, well, you'd be talking past each other. Right. And I think, you know, I don't like talking past people. Uh, I like to talk to people about things that are relevant, you know, and, and so for me, um, you know, having that goal, you know, small talk is out, right? Um, sometimes you have to start there, but, but, you have to get down, and not everyone's willing to do this with everyone, right? You, you have to be comfortable enough with someone, but to 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 back off and say, "Whoa, hey, it looks like we disagree. Let's 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 dig a little bit," and and I think that's the process of of vetting those presuppositions, right? That's that's what you do in a conversation, and often I find 
that if someone's willing to do that with me, right, and I'm interested in doing that with them, um, that we find that, oh, actually, no, we do agree. We were just saying it differently. Uh, you were approaching it from a different way, and, and, and we, we can both completely understand now the other person's perspective, and, and we see where they're coming from. We, we agree that in that situation, it should be this way, but in this situation, it should be that way. Um, and then, and then we can move on together, um, versus just assuming, well, they disagree with me. Um, because, and they're wrong, obviously, because this, this, this. Um, so many disagreements are just misunderstanding context and terms. And I think there is disagreements that come from misunderstandings. But did you either of you watch the Bill Nye Ken Ham uh, debate? No. I, 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 <laughs> I think, I don't know if I watched it or if I heard it. I think. I think I watched maybe a five or ten minute, and basically they kept coming back to the same point over and over and over again. And they and like you were saying, they talked past each other. One person wasn't answering the other person. The the first, you know, the second person wasn't answering the first person. They both presented their points like ten times yeah. in that argument. Yeah. And I think that was frustrating to me, not so much because I had a huge dog in in either <laughs> camp, but because I didn't feel like any discussion was brought, you know, progressed between the two of them up on stage, which sometimes, but I didn't feel like the audience got anything out of it either because they were using terms, either the same term differently, or they were just using different points of view and they were never addressing each other's thing because they had wildly different presuppositions and didn't care mm. about the other person's presuppositions or they, they hadn't built a common foundation. Right. See, you're missing the point. What they got was an affirmation of their own worldview. Isn't that great? And everyone watching got the same thing. <laughs> let me let me, let me discuss, talk about this though, because um, uh, this idea that oh, I lost it. <laughs> well, my turn. Yeah. <laughs> so I like discussing things, and I like you know the back and forth of ideas. And every once in a while, uh, I have the good fortune or the uh, unhappy surprise of a Jehovah's Witness showing up at my door, and usually not when I'm you know, fully prepared, ready to go. Um, I always have curlers in. <laughs> yeah, it's because you have hair. Anyway, <laughs> uh, you know, when we're just talking with them, you know, oftentimes our terms are used very differently. You know, when I say salvation, I mean one thing. When they say salvation, they mean something else. And so part of it is a communication barrier. But some of us, uh, some of the time, what I'm asking them to do is to say, hey, you have these presuppositions, and I want you to think about it because we don't have them in common. Let's see how they're grounded. But in asking them to do that, you know, I don't want to be hypocritical and not, you know, shine the light back on my presuppositions. Uh, you know, when is it reasonable to, to set aside your own presuppositions and say, hey, I'm not going to use that one. And when should I, you know, say, no, that's actually a presupposition I'm going to hang on to. And, you know, you're you're the one that has to change. I, I just remembered the 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 point that I, that I was going to go back to, and I can't remember exactly where this came from. And I want to say it was, I don't remember. I want to say it was William Lane Craig, but, but they were talking about how when you're arguing, arguing with someone and 
you know, you, you're being asked to set aside the Bible, basically, mm-hmm. as a presupposition. And you basically say, stand your ground and say, no, I'm not going to do that um, because this conversation will have no value. And it's interesting that on the one hand, we were talking about the Ken Ham, Bill Nye debate where they both were refusing to set aside their presuppositions. And in fact, I think going a step further and not acknowledging that they or the opponent had presuppositions and weren't addressing those presuppositions. I think that is a big error, but shouldn't, should we hold our ground in terms of this is my presupposition. I recognize it as such, but I also recognize here are my reasons for having it and discussing those. And I think at that point, if they want to continue the conversation, they first need to address that presupposition with you, right? And I think I think having a discussion that's productive with someone is a process of discovering and, and, and working through um, differences in understanding, right? I.e. presuppositions. Um, so, so, you know, if, if they're asking you to set aside the Bible, then maybe the discussion you ought to be having is how reliable is the Bible? You know, and, and then you can, you can go and present the evidence that you have for the reliability of the Bible and its divine nature. And I might argue back that if you're in a debate setting or if you're in some place, you may not have time to do that. But really, you have to spend that time to get to a point of common understanding because kind of coming back to my stumble at a you know definition for what presuppositions are is there a summation of a lot of prior knowledge there a shorthand but if you haven't agreed on the shorthand you've mm-hmm. got to go back to the longhand version and by shorthand of, you mean like this is what i mean when i say salvation this right. is what i mean when well, i don't well, have to explain that's, it that's that's what you mean and um this is why right yeah. the why sometimes takes a long time um, you, you guys both listen to the unbelievable podcast that you know, are you relatively caught up on. No, it? but uh, go ahead. Spoil so it away. a couple of weeks ago <laughs> or maybe a week ago, they had, uh, two guests on that were talking about, and it was Sean McDowell. So Josh McDowell's son, um, and another, um, atheist who were on talking about, or supposedly they were there to, to debate whether the apostles died in martyr, martyr's death, because that's one of the arguments that Christianity must be true is, well, all these disciples went to their death. die for a lie. Right. And it was a particularly poor debate. And I, I, I feel bad for Justin, the, the host on it, but, you know, in some sense it's his fault because the atheist who came along uh, didn't acknowledge that Christ existed, didn't acknowledge that the disciples even existed. And so when you're trying to debate whether the disciples died martyrs' deaths, his presupposition that the disciples didn't exist meant that they obviously didn't die. And they spent the entire you know, hour-long episode not talking about whether the disciples died martyrs' death, which I would have found absolutely fascinating and something I was very much desiring to hear. Instead, they were spent the time talking about whether there was ample evidence that the disciples even existed. And that was, I thought, a failing on the part of, of the debaters to recognize where they're, or maybe they both did, and they had to wind back and work at this earlier level. Yeah. Well, and, and I think I think that was appropriate 
you know, wh- wh- either you can pa- talk past each other um, in a debate, which actually a lot of public debates, that's what you end up doing. Look at look at politics, right? You just you just I'll just I'm can just going to say my him? talking points, right? And I don't care what you say because I have my talking points. Um, and I'm going to speak to my constituency and they get it and they have my presuppositions and I know them. Um, but, but that's not what we're after, right? We're after productive, you know, human interaction and relationships and, and building knowledge and understanding. And we want to get after truth. Right. <laughs> but I think, but hey, I think, no, no. And, good and I think, Tim, you bring up a very important point and that is there's a difference between the public realm and a relational realm in the public realm it's very, very difficult, and we've kind of touched on this before, it's very difficult to establish the framework and the foundations for all these thoughts and ideas that we might have. If we only have a half hour, hour, uh, in some debates, maybe only a few minutes to speak, we really do have to just hit those few points and and then, you know, wait for the buzzer, or the buzzer's gone off, you know, five minutes ago and we're over time. In a relationship, we do have time to lay foundations and to build up, you know, the logical progression of thoughts that lead to our presuppositions and that can show that the beliefs I have, these, we'll say again, presuppositions, the beliefs that I have actually are grounded in pretty good truth and evidence and reason. And I think you raise a a good point on the these things often take time when we're talking about especially deeply held beliefs. Not only do we have to have the time to work back through all of the foundation and the justification for those beliefs, but you know, changing those minds takes time. And that's what I think you were talking about earlier, you mm. know, prior to the, the recording, that this is really about changing minds. When we are trying to acknowledge our presuppositions or to try and set them aside what we're trying to do is to change you know oftentimes we're trying to change the other guy's mind but you know we also have to be willing to change our own minds in and decide when that's possible or a good thing you know if i don't change my mind again going back to the weather example if i if i say it is going to be sunny today and and ignore the evidence of the dark stormy clouds overhead you know, that's not good. It, I, there needs to be a certain point at which I decide, you know, it's time to change my mind. And I think that is a difficult thing to assess and probably a difficult thing to talk about. We've talked about before, um, you know, things where we've changed our minds uh, and how that happened and how long that took. And I think that is an appropriate thing to really address here is that it to change our own minds, which again can be good and necessary, can take time, and that's okay. So, do you think, kind of bring it into the you know, the realm of the Christian Church? Should we be celebrating not so much people having certainty of their belief, but people who are you know changing their mind? I don't want people to be wishy washy, and and certainly in politics, you can be labeled a flip flopper, and that's you know a death knell to. But I think. I do want my leaders to, you know, grow in their understanding of certain things. And when they're wrong, I want them to change their minds. I don't want them to be dogged about, you know, you know, this was the right decision and we'll take it, you know, all the way to our grave. Come hell or high water. Right. You know, acknowledging 
changes. Now, I don't want you to flip-flop back and forth, you know, whatever the winds of opinion do, right. but I think we should celebrate, you know, people being willing to change their minds as they grow. That That's that's part of growing, isn't it? Well, and I think... I think there's there's well groundedness, right? So if if you're if you're shallow, you you would change your mind, flip flop because you have no basis, right? Every time a new piece of um, evidence but, comes into but play, but to change your mind, you might have to go down to your basis, change your perspective on that, and let that flow up. And yeah, that that might that's uncomfortable, right? Um, the bad part of you know if 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 you're going to be real and really engage with discussions and really open yourself up to okay. It, is this really you know, negotiable? Um, then, you know, the, the bad part about about that is is you might you might look bad, you know, quote unquote. You know, people might think you were you were shallow because you changed your mind, but you also get to be right now. Um, so, you know, changing your mind, you know, I, I you shouldn't look at how am I going to look doing this, um, but I know that's that's a factor. Um, there's there's a pride thing. But, but I, I think I think I think the really what we, what we should be celebrating is well groundedness, not certainty, right? And not and not 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 condemning changing minds, but condemning um, shallowness, lack of well groundedness. And and I would add to that pride, hmm. stubbornness, which is a form of pride. Um, that that is not a value that we have. Um, That's pride with tenacity. <laughs> <laughs> But, but we need to recognize that changing a mind, even in the face of evidence, is an act of the will. And mm-hmm. changing your will or having your will bent, we'll say, or... Submitting uh, your submitting, will. Submitting, yes, to the evidence, that is very difficult. Very difficult. And that requires character. A kind of death, actually. Sure. To submit your will. Um, and I think we should celebrate people who are actively... You know, engaging, not necessarily to change their mind, but with the, that digging deeper to try and... The openness that they are available to change their mind. Well, that's all for this episode. We hope you enjoyed it and will join us again next time when we consider truth. Episode 3 was recorded on July 23rd 2016. Considering Truth is produced by me with assistance from Josh and Tim. Wonderland music provided by Dexter Britton. If you'd like to comment or provide feedback, you can email us at consideringtruth at gmail.com. Consideringtruth at gmail.com